gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also, this time, please put away all carry-in items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. If you need instrumentals, recording, mixing or mastering, maybe a music video, photo shoot or graphic designing, need bouncy castles, face painting, popcorn, cotton candy or characters for the kids, want to do online or offline promotion, maybe both, let's print your t-shirts and everything else. Here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at 1-866-338-4123. That's 1-866-338-4123. Hello, Culturama listeners, and welcome to another episode of Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. This episode promises to be fun and exciting, motivating, and very, very educating. This episode is called What Do You Do? And my guest today is Chanel Patrice Hancock from Ohio. Hey, Chanel. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show despite your busy schedule. Now people, this is a very, very, very interesting episode and I'm glad I was able to track down Chanel to come and share her experience. Now she is the CEO slash founder of Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcasting where amazing things happen, right Chanel? Right. Okay, now first of all, tell us a little bit about Chanel Patrice Hancock and particularly you had a, a sickness back then where you were confined to a wheelchair. Tell us all about that. Well, I was probably about nine, ten years old mm-hmm. and this was like back in the mid to late 80s and when I was born in Cleveland, Ohio um, 42 years ago, um, I had retinopathy of prematurity. And then when I turned three and a half, I wound up getting um, seizures. So I had grandma seizures for a period of about 10 years. Um, And subsequently, due to me being born at such a low birth weight and three months premature, um, I woke up one morning and, you know, most kids, they just jump out of bed, you know, rush out the door, go to the bathroom. Well, I didn't jump out of bed. I, I tried to jump out of bed and what happened was I fell straight to the ground. Could not move anything from my head down to my neck. That was the only thing I couldn't move actually. And my mother had to take me to the doctor. They did a series of tests. They didn't know what was wrong. Couldn't find out I had paralysis issues where I had lost ability to be able to move my entire body. It, it felt like dead weight. That's pretty much how it felt. I couldn't walk, I couldn't cr- I couldn't crawl, I couldn't do anything. Like, I just felt like all the energy was just wiped out of my body. And they had me in a wheelchair for, like, a few months. I was admitted into the hospital, and they kept doing a series of tests, and, and they still couldn't understand why I had lost the inability to 
move my body like a normal nine, 10 year old girl would. So one day, it was a Sunday, um, my mom had admitted herself in the hospital so she could stay in the room with me and spend the night. And mm-hmm. I had gotten up out the bed, and this is how strong my faith was in God and Jesus, that I, um, I started to walk. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I call it a miracle. I opened the door, my doctor was there, and the doctors and the nurses couldn't believe that I was standing up straight and I was mm-hmm. walking. And I would have to say, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't allow what happened to me to prevent me from, you know, living life. I mean, I was out of school for a period mm-hmm. of time as well because of this. But for me, I said, you know, life is too short. I mean, I'm already dealing with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the time on phenobarbital for my seizures. And if I didn't have that, I would go into an epileptic grandma seizure. And I did eventually have an attack at age 11. Seven seizures in like wow. half an hour. And I was comatose for 18 hours. Yes. And so... So my, my mother, you know, had friends in high places and tried to find the best doctors from around the country to, to see what they can do. Because, you know, my mother was in her 20s. She had me at 16, going on 17. So it was just a very horrific experience. You know, you have this little girl that's visually impaired and has epilepsy and that just got over, you know, not being able to walk and miraculously gain her body function back to be able to, you know, walk again by the grace of God. Um, you know, so for me to have seven seizures, for me to have been comatose for 18 hours, I mean, the last thing I remember, even until this day, and I'm 42 now, I was watching uh, Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. And I was, they were on top of the, the apartment, and that's when the state marshmallow man was had appeared and i remembered all that and then as soon as that happened i had a seizure and then i kept having them and then when i woke up 18 hours later arsenio hall was on and it was like 1 40 in the morning and i was in icu so anything in between watching ghostbusters and then waking up to arsenio hall i have no recollection of so i i overcame a few health issues um I outgrew my epilepsy in my teens and um you know didn't have to worry about being medicated anymore and I went from phenobarbital to tecritol and and then um, I was weaned off of the medication because they realized I grew out of it which was a great thing for me personally because it it does take a toll when you have epilepsy and you know some people it can actually destroy their brain cells and prevent them from you know really being able to learn or you know improve their brains i I do know someone right now that has petty mal seizures and his seizures are so bad to the point where he has so much brain damage he can't even remember what happened from one moment to the next it's just ripping his brain away and it's just it's very sad to see so if you don't grow out of epilepsy by adolescence, you'll never grow out of it. So yeah. what level of vision do you have? Um, my vision is, since I have retinopathy at prematurity, uh, my visual acuity is 
distance-wise, three feet in front of me counting fingers. Now, that's as far as, like, reading print. Now, I can see, like, the big E on the eye chart and the two letters underneath it. But if I try to read anything further, um, I can't do it anymore distance-wise. But I, I put it, like, I see the bigger picture out of my left eye. Um, so I'm not able to read print anymore. Like, newspaper font or paperback books. Like, I can read the title of the book, like, on the cover of the book. But once I open up the actual book itself, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it says. This segment is called What Do You Do, where I get different persons uh, with different career professions to advise mm -hmm. young people. Now, tell us, Chanel, what do you do? I am a podcaster. I am a polyglot. Uh, language influencer. I also am a consultant for the Michelle Thomas Method out of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I help them with their accessibility um, issues. So, I mean, because evidently they've never had anybody work with them on improving accessibility in their um, courses, especially print material that might be converted to PDF, for example. Now, most people who have screen readers, such mm -hmm. as NVDA or Linux or JAWS for Windows or System Access or even VoiceOver for the Mac, they cannot read PDFs. It looks like a big blank page, even though there's print on it. So you would have to have it either in TXT format for all the different screen readers that are Windows-based. And then you will have to have it in rich text format for the ILS, for voiceover. So they, it would be able to be recognized by the screen reader. And if you do have a refreshable Braille display that you can pair to your phone, your tablet, or your PC or Mac, mm -hmm. it would be able to pick up the words on the screen. You'll be able to read it in Braille on the display. However, because it is in a PDF format, it's not going to pick it up at all, just like if it was in a JPEG format, which means they would be able to scan a picture into um, a document file, like a Word document file. Well, if it has text on it already, you still have to type to say what the text is because it's just going to look like a picture that's been scanned and you wouldn't be able to read what's on it even though there's print. So... You have to like physically type it out or whatever in the descriptive box to say this is what this says because otherwise the screen reader and the display will not be able to pick it up because it's a scanned document, a scanned picture, by the way. So I'm working with them on that. I'm also I'm doing affiliate marketing for them. I'm um, taking their courses. I'm taking a look at their courses and I'm analyzing their courses and then I'm creating episodes and I'm sharing them with the um, listeners from around the world and trying to get them to buy their courses. So that's what I do along with, um, I do some freelance teaching on the side, English as a foreign language um, to business people and young learners using social media, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instant Messenger, Skype, and I also have my own language learning group on Facebook and chat groups on Facebook and WhatsApp to help people who are blind, visually impaired, sighted, um, learn languages. 
So Chanel, I was listening to episode three, part two, where you spoke about ups and downs of learning vocabulary, phrases, conversational partner. Tell mm-hmm. us about those. Well, there are plenty of ups and downs when you're learning vocabulary and you're learning phrases because if it's a new language that you've never learned before and it doesn't like correspond with the native language that you may speak, it can be a challenge because if you're visually impaired as a prime example or completely blind, um, sometimes it's hard to find adequate material that's compelling for you that you would find compelling to utilize. So I always recommend apps such as Memrise, M-E-M-R-I-S-E, Drops or Clothesmaster, Anki. Um, you know, I if you're an auditory learner, especially colloquial languages, because you can download the free audio um, lessons that they have for free. And it goes through the whole language, you know, pronunciation, grammar, all that, all the way to, like, advanced. So, I mean, you pretty much wouldn't have to get anything else if you didn't want to. Um, I tell people to use the library as a prime example. Um, You know, don't try to learn the whole entire language because we're still learning our native tongues. So if your native tongue is English, you're going to continue to learn more vocabulary and more phrases and idioms because the language is always evolving and changing. And so I always say, well, whatever you do in your native tongue, you might want to do in your target language. So if you like politics, find vocabulary about it. Find newspaper clippings or, um, because you can do that all on the internet for free. Um, You know, there are apps that you can find Um, in whatever language it is that you're looking at, trying to learn. And if it is a language that you already know, and there is another language that's similar, you can do laddering, where you use, like if German's your language, and you want to learn, I don't know, Russian. You could do that, because they have case systems. So, Russian has six, German has five. There's similar vocabulary, so forth and so on. So you can use one language in order to be able to learn another language. Um, You know, you can always write sentences down that you want to learn how to say. You can go on YouTube and look them up or, I mean, and YouTube's my best friend. I use it all the time. Um, You know, if you're someone that's old fashioned and you like to braille your stuff out, then get some five by seven flashcards. And you can start, you know, doing, you know, flashcards. Or you can go to different places where they have apps for free. And you can start at the beginning and, you know, be selective about what it is you want to say first. Or, of course, you want to give your introductory, you know, spill. This is who I am and this is where I'm from. And if I have kids or if I'm single or whatever... I work, I have hobbies. These are the types of things people are going to ask you. And so those are the types of phrases you want to start off with at first. But then after you finish that, you're going to have to want to talk about something else. And so I always tell people, you know, when you're trying to have a conversation with someone, think about the conversations you have with your friends. 
you talk about what you did last night. Did I go on a date? Was it cool? Whatever the conversation might be, you might want to be able to have that type of vocabulary at your disposal. Because once you get past like the first 25 questions, then that's when you're going to realize if the person you're talking to on the other end of the screen is going to want to continue to be your conversational partner. The mm -hmm. more you have in common with that person outside of politics, religion, work, family, the more better the conversation is going to be. So I always say that. And then I also say sometimes it's good to just let them lead. So if they want to get English in as an example, let them talk first. Let them have their hour to practice because evidently they must like you enough to be able to want to talk to you more than two times. And if that's the case, then you, you've hit pay dirt. And I've had that happen with me. So, and it's a very rewarding feeling when you can talk to somebody and use the new words that you learned over the week, you know? So, I mean, there are, there are so many ways that you can increase your vocabulary. I mean, a lot of times I just listen to what the person has to say in the target language and I get more that way. So Chanel, what inspired me the most is that you learned Russian back in 2014 within nine weeks. Tell us about that. Oh, actually, I actually learned Spanish. I, well, actually what happened was in 2014, I learned, I relearned Spanish. I took both Spanish courses from the Hadley School for the Blind, Spanish conversation courses, and I finished both of them in nine weeks. I had already taken Spanish in college 12 years prior to that. So my whole goal was just to, you know, give my vocabulary a boost because my grammar was already solid. So that's what I did in nine weeks. Actually, when I started learning Russian, I started learning it in 2015, March 15th, as a matter of fact. And so that was the first language I ever learned independently. I did Spanish in Braille and I just had the, the little cassette that you have for the digital player and I would do the lessons and then I would record the answers over the phone to the instructor and then I would get my grade at the end, emailed to me. So that's how I did it for those nine weeks. But it went real quick because I already knew the language. I was just trying to increase my vocabulary because I knew that was what was the weakest part for me. But I was kind of disappointed because they didn't have any other languages other than Spanish. So, but um, yeah, the teacher was very impressed. She said she never had anybody like finish both of her courses in nine weeks. But I was extremely motivated. I mean, it didn't take long for me because I take to language like I take uh, a duck to water. It just comes naturally to me. But I've also been someone that enjoys communicating with other people. And so for me, some of the languages that I'm tackling now, like Japanese and Korean and Hindi and Egyptian Arabic, you know, people are like, that's difficult. And I said, well, if you like to learn, nothing's difficult. You know, I try to have a positive mindset when it comes down to things like that, because for a lot of Americans, it's, you know, we come from a monolingual country, even though we have people come from all over the world that want to live here and work here and 
you know, prosper as, and become American citizens. So that's my big thing is each one teach one, you know, be an example for people in a positive way. You know, if I can do it. So Chanel, you have in mind a business idea. Tell us about that. Oh, my business idea is I love podcasting and I love reaching a lot of people, but I also love teaching people Uh from example Uh so my whole platform is to be able to create um audio and video content um in a in a audio and video format because evidently yes i can write but i see a lot of blogs where that's all people do is write they're not really you know doing like a video blog type of format to get their message across. And a lot of times, yes, people like to read, but people get more out of a, a blog if, you know, they can relate to it by, you know, watching someone speak. You know, sometimes the spoken word is a lot more powerful than the written word mm-hmm. can be. And so um, I plan on launching my um, Facebook business page. Mm-hmm. which I actually abbreviated um, CLLJP, which stands for Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Facebook, you know, you got 2 billion people. And so a lot of times if I use my first name, it might be taken already or, you know, because my the spelling of my name is different. And so if it's already been used, it's difficult for you to use it. So I abbreviated everything. Um, And I just used my whole name, um, Chanel Patrice Hancock, at Facebook slash CLLJP, um, because I wanted to use my podcast as a way to get people, you know, to be able to learn languages more, um, to promote language learning from an audio perspective. And not so much from a textbook academic perspective, more on a didactic um, way of learning, which is more Mm self-taught as opposed to I need to enroll at a university or a community college. I need to take a course because a lot of times when people learn languages, they they either want to learn them because they fell in love with someone from the country or they're moving to the country for work or school and I've learned over the past four or five years or so being in the language learning community that a lot of it is they just like learning languages and being able to travel and meet people or order food or read a book or watch a movie or TV show. And a lot of times, you know, not everyone wants to master the language on an academic scale. They just want it for more personal reasons. And so I said, I would, I would love to be able to reach a wider audience um, with, you know, helping them, A, perfect their English if they're ESL learners or EFL learners, um, and B, you know, podcasting is becoming um, very popular now. Yes, A few is. years ago, but now it's, it's really becoming popular. I mean, I actually listen to podcasts a lot more than I watch TV. So... There's so many people that have um, podcasts these days. I said, well, why not use a, 
you make a professional page, you know, people are always asking me, you know, what kind of materials do I have? And I said, well, my materials, you know, my content is my podcast. It's my way of sharing my tricks and tips of learning languages, my ups and downs while interviewing people from all over the world, whether they're visually impaired, whether they're completely blind, whether they're sighted, whether they're experts in language acquisition, like Dr. Krashen, for instance, or, you know, they're like, I'll leave your trips for my, we'll teach you a language.com. Whoa, you have seen them before? Yes, yes, I have. I, wow. I, I interviewed them already. Yes. I actually, wow. I actually have uh, reports with a lot of the, the big polyglots, but that's because I followed them and yes. I, I was very interested in what they had to say. And while I'm doing the podcasting, I'm also trying to educate the polyglot community because a lot of them are sighted. A lot mm -hmm. of them have their own businesses, but they don't understand that there are people that have disabilities, whether they're hard of hearing, whether they're blind, whether they're visually impaired, whether they're colorblind. Yes. And sometimes when they make their materials, it's always in PDF format. And so yes. it's not in an accessible format that people can utilize. Oh, you know, yes. when, and when they talk about things like everyone learns differently, that is true. But what they fail to realize is that everyone really does learn differently. And if you're not willing to make your business accessible for everybody involved, you're going to miss out on a very large portion of the population who likes learning languages. And I was really surprised to find how many blind people in the world love learning languages. I didn't, and this was just this summer that I found out that there were more of us out there that enjoy learning languages and because there's so many people out there that speak so many languages i know i won't run out of stories to tell mm -hmm. from people around the world and and then on the other side of it i also created my own language learning community to use my method to help mm -hmm. other people learn languages as well and mm -hmm. i feel that i'm starting to accomplish the goal of bringing sighted and non-sighted and partially sighted people together um, mm -hmm. when it comes down to learning languages because I have 126 people so far and I haven't even been up and running for three months now with my Facebook group page for language mm -hmm. learning. Plus, I realized that there was a niche that was missing these people were creating books and they were creating courses and all that, but people really want to speak. So I created WhatsApp groups and I created yes, Facebook instant message groups so people can speak. And I put them in different language groups because I said, this is the English language group on WhatsApp and on Facebook instant messenger where anyone who's learning English can practice you know, practice speaking. I said, I like to see people write, but I want to hear people speak because you're not going to improve your speaking if you just write all the time. Mm -hmm. Writing's great, but when you're trying to have a conversation with someone on Skype or FaceTime or Zoom or WhatsApp or Instant Messenger, 
if they, you can't understand what someone's saying because you're not practicing listening and speaking, it's going to be much more difficult for you to follow the conversation, yeah. regardless of what the language is. So I have a no English zone in the chat groups that aren't English related. So the Asian language group, Chanel's language learning journey, Asian language group, and Chanel's Asian language group is nothing but the English languages. I mean, Asian languages spoken, and it goes, it goes that same way for all the other groups that I created that aren't English related. Because if you really want to perfect your speaking skills, whether you know five words or you know a couple phrases, try to get them out. Yes. And my big two things that I focus on as a language learner and a teacher is listening and speaking. You can learn to read and write. That's great. That's good on one end. But on the other end, people aren't writing everything down. Mm-hmm. They're listening and they're speaking to people. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you don't have time to look up how to say, how do you order this in this language? You just don't, you know, people don't have time to wait for you to figure out this grammar table or how to conjugate this particular verb. You not really, when you're in real time and you're around real people in a real environment, they don't have time to worry about that. They don't even care. They just want to know what you want so they can help you the best way they know how. Mm-hmm. And I try to get that into the heads of a lot of these people that say that they're expert polyglots. Now, for instance, I know someone that studied a particular language for five years. They went to Asia and they didn't know how to order food. Now you studied this language for five years and you didn't know how to order food? <laughs> That's bad. I was, and they felt real stupid after it was over with. I mean, they learned. They eventually did. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste my time um, trying to learn something that I should have known how to do way in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know. So for me, um, I really want to get people to speak as much as possible and be able to understand what they're learning. I mean, even though I don't speak the particular language, um, you know, I will have um, resources that were given to me to help people, you know, with whatever language problem they have. So if, if, if they're learning English and they're from Vietnam and their English isn't good, I have uh, Vietnamese pod 101 um materials on my ipad i can just go to that particular file and i can look up certain words and phrases learn them and then be able to communicate a little bit better Mm -hmm. so i might not become fluent in that language but i might use it just to be able to get the person to understand what i'm trying to say in english but use their language to help them understand what i was trying to say that they couldn't understand in English. So I I like doing that. And I also um, am eventually going to start my own language festival online mm-hmm. called Afrolingo Fest. <clears throat> and, and what it's going to be is a three-day festival where I have about 18 to 20 people who are minorities. 
So if you're from the Middle East, you're Asian, you're black, and you're Latina, I'm going to have people speak about different topics, whether it's educating your children to be bilingual, whether it's, you know, traveling and, you know, it, just, just certain topics, language related, you know, how, you know, what's it like having to go to school and become, you know, use the language. So, I mean, because a lot of people don't realize, okay, well, if I'm using this for work purposes, you know, do I need, how, how fluent do I need to be, you know, or, you know, if I'm raising a child to be multilingual and we're trying to learn three languages, what are the best tools and tips and so forth and so on. So, and I see that to be very popular because a lot of the polyglots, they're married and they have kids. And so they're raising their kids to be multilingual. And that's like a really big subject. But I also see a lot of, um, you know, some racism yes. online. Online. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are talking about why they don't join some of these big groups of... of, of yes. Because yes. of the fact that they're they feel discriminated against because it, and I don't even think it's so much their race. I think what it is is people have this thing where they think because they speak all these languages or they speak a couple languages that they're the end all or be all of language learning. And honestly, if that were the case, people would be buying languages left and right. But, you know, unfortunately, languages no one owns a language you you acquire it over time the more you you put energy into learning it the the more you become one with that language however mm-hmm. at the same time i'm not going to sit there and think that i'm better than somebody because i know this and i know that and i went to school here and i'm making a million dollars here and i've been on ted talks or well that's great but it's it, to me, it just sounds like you're narcissistic, approved, arrogant, <laughs> and cocky. And, okay, let's ask this question. Are you, what are you doing to help the language learning community as a whole, disabled or non-disabled? You know, are you just doing this because you want bragging rights? You know, because at the end of the day, everyone has their own opinion about how they learn. Not everyone went to school for linguistics. I didn't. I went to school for theater and film. I got a bachelor's degree from Kent State University in theater studies, and I got a degree in directing, screenwriting, and producing from the Los Angeles Film School, and I have my TEFL certification from Bridge.edu out of Denver, Colorado. But I, I'm not the know-all of, of languages. You know, it's, it's trial and error. You know, that's how you learn. But a lot of it, for me personally, is, you know, when you're participating in these forums and you're asking questions or answering questions or you're using technology like Siri for instance and it doesn't always work correctly and people know that but they still want to heckle you they still want to make rude comments and and talk down to you like you're incompetent because your technology's not working or people are making comments like well they didn't make that app for people that are visually impaired and blind and And then you have to report the person because of their conduct. But yet it gets overlooked because a lot of people call it white noise, which, or white language, where 
they think that because you're a minority, you need to speak like a white person does. Well, okay, define that because I know in the U.S., white people speak differently. It depends on what part of the country you come from. You know, there's there's slang, there's idioms, there's all kinds of accents. You know, they sound different in Montana and Idaho than they do down in Arkansas and Mississippi. So, at the end of the day, there is no such way to speak English in the U.S. because there's so many dialects and, you know, it just depends on the person and where they grew up and and how well read they were and, and just a number of factors. But a lot of people in Europe and a lot of people just overall say that they don't join a lot of these communities because there's too much boasting and bragging. Like there are some communities where they got 40,000 people in the group and you have people that that like to cyber bully and you have people that make comments that are not nice. And I said, I'm just tired of watching people get bashed. So I left. And then I created my own group and I created some really good rules where I said, I'm not going to tolerate that type of behavior because we're all here for one reason. And that's to learn languages, not to bash each other. I mean, I would think after, you know, being the 21st century and all, people will want to get along. I mean, look at how crazy this world is right now. I mean, we we have enough division going on politically, religious wise and economically. We don't Mm. need people bashing each other because someone has a master's degree in applied linguistics and a PhD in this. No one cares. (laughs) Okay. You can be strong opinion about your particular um, field of study. That's great. But understand your your way of thinking and your approach to it is totally different than what I'm going to do. And if you can't respect someone else's opinion, I don't know what to tell you. And I think a lot of it is, is that some of these people, they get a little bit of success. And I mean, it's a little bit because they might be making some money. They might have a half a million people or 25,000 people on YouTube or Mm -hmm. whatever. That's great. But guess what? If you go to Los Angeles or New York, no one knows who the hell you are. Okay. So, yeah. So Chanel, tell me what advice what advice would you give to the young people, in particular those who are sighted, those who are attending universities, you know, colleges, they don't know where to go to find their career path. What 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 do you tell them? Well, I mean I'm 42 years old. I can tell oh, you. Oh, you could I... be my mom. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm 42 years old and I can tell you, you know, someone that's visually impaired, it's hard to find work even if you do go to school. Personally, I would take a gap year. I would take a year off. I wouldn't go to school straight out of high school. I would work first and mm-hmm. I would find what it is that I would want to do and I would see if I could work, whether it's an internship or whether you do volunteer, as long as you're trying to get some type of experience, because that's what they want you to have when you're getting out of school. A lot of people go to school, they spend over thirty, forty thousand dollars 
And guess what happens? They don't get a job because they don't have enough real life work underneath their belt. Um, you know, I would I would tell them, you know, find something that makes them happy. Don't just do something because someone else wants you to do it. But I also would be realistic because times are changing. And so I would choose something where I know I could get employed. So if they like languages, I mean, they also like computers as an example or engineering, I would choose something like that. And then I would go and I would take those courses. I would see if there's any places where I could apply my skills that I'm learning, you know, in real time. And then I would also pick up a language. Now, I mean, yeah, Spanish is popular, but if it were me and I had to do it all over again, I would have chose Arabic or Japanese or Russian or French um, as one of the languages because those languages are just as popular. Um, actually, the 10 popular languages in the world to use right now, English, Chinese, German, French, Spanish, Hindi, Brazilian, Portuguese, Japanese, Russian, and Arabic. So I, I honestly, I would choose one or two of those languages and I would, I would really hunker down and, and have that under my belt along with whatever it was I wanted to go to school for. I mean, yes, I went to school for the professional performing arts. And when I graduated, it was before the economy had tanked in 2008. So when I graduated in 2006, you know, that's when things started to kind of change a little bit. But it took me a long time just to get a job six years after graduating film school. So I would tell them, you know, take some time and I would work. I would try to work or, you know, go to a trade school, pick up a trade because that's something that you will have for the rest of your life. People are engineers, they're electrical engineers. You need people to come into your house and fix your lighting. You need people to come and fix your plumbing. Anything where you can be employed all the time. Um, you know, I know people that, you know, they got degrees in international relations or they got them in economics or they got it in teaching. You know, if you want to teach or you, you know, like you want to go to Japan, join the JET program. Um, you teach um, English to Japanese students through Japanese. And, you know, I, I would do things that would help you get a faster track to employment. Um, you know, because... At the end of the day, there are a lot of opportunities for people to travel now more than ever. Um, you know, experience what the world is outside of your town, outside of your country. Um, just because, you know, here in the U.S., a lot more people are traveling, but there's a lot of people that aren't able to travel. Or, you know, they just they think, oh, I just need to go to college and I just need to pick something. Really be careful about what you pick these days because the times are really, really changing. You know, um, make sure that your your tech skills are up to date. You know, um, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, 
you don't necessarily have to go to business school to do that. I mean, I know plenty of people to have their own businesses and they didn't go to business school. They read up on it, you know, because the library is free. Um, you know, I would, I would make sure my resume was polished. I would make sure that, you know, I found people to mentor me. Um, there are a lot of things that I would do a little bit differently than what I did when I first got out of college or film school for that matter. So, I mean, I would tell a lot of the students, you know, just take your time. Don't think that you have to rush to go to college. And if you do go to college, do something that, you know, pick a trade. Because if you do nails, if you do electrician work, you know, if you do IT work, you know, a lot of that stuff, especially if you're into languages, you can incorporate um, some of that into your your job so if they need you to translate from french to english yeah you know get get certified to to be a translator there's a lot of work that you can get doing that you know and it it does help especially if you're in a particular field like engineering you can you would always have work somewhere you know or if you're teaching english as a second language or as a foreign language you can teach business English and do it for Fortune 500 companies. You can do it online. You know, the sky is the limit. You know, and nowadays you see these young people, a lot of these millennials who are in their 20s and early 30s, and they got their own businesses, their own websites. So a lot of what they're doing, some of them went to college, some of them didn't. You know, I would just say, you know, really think about what it is you want to do. You know, I mean, I did that, but I'm more of a creative person anyway. So for me, it was no brainer. I wanted to do theater. I wanted to do film, you know, but at the same time, you will change jobs more than once in your life. It's not like our parents or grandparents where you work the same job for 30, 40 years and you retire with a pension. It doesn't work like that anymore. So I will always tell people, you know, take your time. Don't rush it. Okay, that's wonderful. There is no um, time limit to go to school. Right. Right. There you have it, folks. Chanel Patrice Hancock, polyglot, podcaster, language learning teacher. You know, want to say thank you for coming on the show. I do appreciate your time and your knowledge uh, to contribute to the public. Remember, guys, you can find my podcast on the following. 195 The Globe, Core Confidence Radio, CCV Radio in Trinidad, Dodge Radio in the UK, AnchorFM.net, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify, and so much more. Remember, guys, life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel good. Say goodbye to the folks, Chanel. Bye. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We encourage you to listen and join us in a journey of cultures, ideas, and innovations as Diva takes us around the world with her guests. An amazing show with an amazing host. We thank you for accepting the challenge of opening your mind. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited and we are a proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva.
big thank you to my studio engineers, Mr. Sidney Thorpe from Kingston, Jamaica, Mr. Damien Rose from Kingston, Jamaica, and Mr. Gary Kemmer from Monroe, Louisiana. Thank you guys for ensuring that the production goes well. <laughs>